0: I really appreciate you taking taking my place tonight, Titus. Good job there, buddy. I just got to remember. We good? All right, good. All right. I'm glad everybody showed up tonight. And... Uh, before I start, most of you, many of you are aware I retired this Friday. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about it. I worked there for 41 years. And so you can look at it a couple ways. You've got the 40 years in the wilderness or, <laughs> or 40 years up on the mountain with God, Well, you know, like Moses was, 40 days. He was up, so I'm not sure. You know, just like the, <laughs> they, uh, some days Those of you that work, have worked in the the world, there's some days it's the wilderness, and there's (laughs) there's some days when it's the mountain with God. So uh, we need to remember that. It's funny, too. They gave a party for me while I was working. You know, we were eating pizza and subs and and that kind of thing. And then I told some of the guys, uh, I said, you know, there's two ways of looking at this. They could be giving me a party because they appreciate me, or they could be giving me a party because they're glad I'm leaving. So, <laughs> you know, there's always two ways of looking at it, but um, we, had, we had an emotional time, believe me, when you work a place for that long, and um, you work for a family, they're like my family, and um, we shed some tears, but I wasn't the first one doing it, they started it, so... After they started it, of course, being the non-emotional guy uh, that I am, um, I I really had some fun keeping it together. But uh, that's a special place. You know, our church started there. Our church started at a Bible study at Mrs. Robinson's living room. So uh, I remember, I think, that was the first service I went to uh, before I went to the Masonic Temple. And uh, we went up there, but I'll never forget that. So I tell guys it worked out. I said, you know, there was a Bible study used to happen here, and and those things. Of course, it's all been remodeled and it looks totally different now. Um, You know, two stories, the office, and those kind of things. But uh, uh, I am ready to move on, believe me, to the next part of my life. And I want to be a blessing to folks around here, spend more time here than I have in the past. You know, the one thing about work, and, and I pray for everybody that works, Work can dominate your life sometimes, and work can, can weigh you down. And, uh, you know, I was telling my boss, he said, Man, you know, I really appreciate all you've done for me. And I said, You know what? I said, You know why? Part of it, part of it's God, but part of it, part of it is that lady over there. Because without her support, I never could have done it. Never could have done it. And my advice to, to you ladies is support your husband on the job, support him. And um, one thing we always did, if I got home at five, we'd have supper at five. If I got home at seven, we'd have supper at seven. If I got home at eight, we'd have supper at eight. Now, sometimes when the kids were smaller, you know, of course, they're not gonna wait till eight o'clock, so they got a snack, those kind of things. But as everybody got older, we ate when I got home. And I missed the days of sitting around the table with the whole family and discussing everything no subject was off limits and we, we I miss those days I really do and I would encourage those of you that are raising families to do that I mean you know I'm not saying you're in sin if you don't I mean I realize everybody has different circumstances but spend time around the table and uh, you know that's one thing in heaven we're gonna sit around the table and I can't wait to look at my father around the table you know, Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to have a good time around the table. And um, uh, so so do those kind of things. And, um, you know, and try to find a balance. Try to find a balance. Uh, I remember the years when I was working six days a week, every Saturday, and then I preached in a nursing home every Sunday. And uh, <laughs> I should have gotten more help back then, I suppose, and tried to get more guidance. But you know, everybody was young and we were growing up and those kind of things. But try to find a balance in your life. And, uh, but, but remember what's most important. Remember what's most important. So the title of my message tonight is how to be happy at work. How to be happy at work. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter three, and this should be, we're not gonna stay there, But this should be familiar because we memorized part of this passage. Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. Put on, therefore, the elect of God. And I had this memorized, but I don't dare try to quote it now because I'll I'll forget something. Put on therefore the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for the opportunity uh, to read your word, for the opportunity to preach your word, and God, uh, every time I uh, preach or whatever, God, I realize that what in the world am I doing up here? Uh, God, there's so many uh, people that could do a much better job, and God, there's so many people in the world that, and in this church, God, that uh, are way more spiritual than me. But God, I know that you can use your word, and you can take your word, and you can use it, and uh, do a work in our hearts, God. And I just pray that you help me to say the things that I should say and not say the things that I shouldn't say and, and uh, be a blessing and a help. And God, thank you for how uh, you've been with me and helped me throughout all these years. God, thank you uh, for salvation. And uh, God, you didn't have to rescue us, but you did. And we're thankful for that. God will ever be thankful for that. Uh, Be with us now, God, and help us as we look at Your Word in Jesus' name, Amen. So, my first point is in um, Colossians three twenty-three, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. Not unto men. Not unto men. You know, you know how many times I've quoted this verse to myself at work. You're working for God. We need to remember that. We're not working for our boss. We're working for God. Do it as to the Lord and not unto men. Some days at work are miserable. But if you will do it unto the Lord and not unto men, because this passage says, God sees it. It says, knowing of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. You don't serve your boss, you don't serve your corporation, you serve the Lord Christ. And we need to remember that. We get, it's so easy to get into the routine of every day and forget what it's all about. 100 years from now, it's not gonna matter that I worked 41 years for Robinson Concrete. It's not gonna matter. It's gonna matter what did I accomplish for the Lord Christ while I was here. That's what's gonna matter. That's what's gonna matter. Um, 41 years just means that I kept getting out of bed every day. And some days I didn't want to get out of bed. And, and you folks all know how that works. But, you know, you'll stand out. But you know what? We serve the Lord Christ. So every day we go to work, we should do our best. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said it's a sin to do less than your best. And it is. If we're, if we're Christians, we should be the exemplary employee. I've worked with Christians when guys have walked up to me and said, "You're a Christian, and he's a Christian, but something doesn't add up here. And I wanted to take the guy and choke him, because you're not being a good example. Uh, we serve the Lord Christ, and you know what? We should be the best worker that we can possibly be. You know we need to remember, Second Corinthians 5:20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ." We're ambassadors for Christ. And uh, if we remembered that every day, then we'd do a better job. Then we'd have a smile on our face. Then we would, um, the bad days, would we would just say, you know what? I'm an ambassador for Christ. If I react to this situation well, and I can't say that I've always been Mr. Perfect at work. Please don't think that. I'm not Mr. Perfect anywhere. One of, the, one of the things that, as I look back, you know, I'm, I'm 66, and you know, retiring from work gets me, gets me thinking about my life, you know, looking back in the memories. And um, I can remember vividly my first day at work, vividly, in detail, my first day at work. Um, but you look back over your life And one of the things that discourages me is what a rotten wretch I still am and how bad my flesh still is and how I tend sometimes to just go off and do something stupid or think a thought that I haven't thought of in 30 years. Where did that come from? It came because this rotten flesh is no good. That's where it came from. And we need to be aware of that. And one thing I pray for, for everybody, I, I pray for people and all of us you know, uh, you know, we still, even though COVID, we still kind of sit in the same place, kind of. Uh, I go through the pews and, and pray for people. You know, in the workplace, you know, there's so much out there. The devil wants you to be like them. The devil wants your language to be like them. I work with construction workers. I haven't heard, they don't speak like Sunday school teachers. Uh, you know, I've heard stuff I didn't want to hear. I work with a Christian who's got a garbage mouth, and I've told him over and over and over again, how can you call yourself a Christian when your mouth is just as bad as theirs? And, and, uh, but those temptations are out there. They're out there. Uh, there's, you know, it's just on and on. You know, the Bible says that the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he wants to devour us. Not only at the workplaces, we go to the store, everywhere else. The things that we see. Um, there's times when I I would like to drive down the road sometimes with my eyes closed because uh, <laughs> that way I wouldn't be seeing all this garbage walking up and down the street. But I haven't perfected that yet. So sometimes my wife thinks I'm driving with my eyes closed because <laughs> she says maybe you ought to move over a little bit or something. But whatsoever, we, we need to remember in everything of life that we're doing it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. You know, ladies, when you're cleaning your house, you're doing it as to the Lord and not unto men. When you're homeschooling your children, you're doing it as to the Lord and not unto men. When you're changing diapers, which I was never any good at, uh, when <laughs> you're changing diapers, you're doing it as to the Lord and not unto men. And if you remember that, in the bad days, when, when um, the kids, you know, they're ready to go to church and the kid poops his diaper and throws up all over everything. And uh, one thing after another, I just can't seem to get caught up. And, you know, uh, I know how, what some of you go through. You know, us men could never, could never, you know, do what you, go, you, you do with children, Never. We're not capable. Uh, We're not. You know, I would, uh, (laughs) you know, somebody said to me one time, you'd have to pay me $100 an hour to work in a nursery. You really would. Because I couldn't handle it. Uh, You know, the little kids. You know, I love my grandchildren, but I was always glad when they grew up a little bit because when they're babies, you know, they're kind of hard to handle and and that kind of thing. But um, uh, we need to remember that. We're doing it for him when we serve him. We're teaching Sunday school for him. And when we, and the reason why, because he's worthy. He's worthy, he saved us from hell. We deserve to go to hell. And we we should be doing it for him. Doing it for him. And the next one, then my next point, how to be happy for work is go to Luke chapter three. and, And I know. I know, this is not a popular one. Uh, Luke, cha- Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, starting with verse 12. Luke 3, 12. Then came also publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Be content with your wages. How to be happy at work? Be content with your wages. That doesn't mean you should never ask for a raise. You know, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. But I think in 40 years, I asked for a raise one time. One time. Uh, Be content with your wages. Don't be And oh do I used to, Ha, oh, what a great sound, used to work with a bunch of guys that were griping all the time about how much money they made. And they found out that this guy is making more money. Did you hear? Did you hear? This guy's making more money than you. Really? I don't care. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Uh, For one thing, I don't know about um, where some of you folks work, but where I work, they're the biggest gossipers on the face of the earth. I mean, bad. And I tell people, I said, if you believe half what you hear around here, that you're nuts. And um, I used to have people walk up to me all the time. How much money do you make? I said, none of your business. How much money I make. So I had a guy that, I had a guy years ago, I mean, we're talking 30 years ago. It kept bugging me. Finally, I looked at him and said, "Okay, I'll tell you. Yep, 25 bucks an hour. Really?" I said, "Yeah, really." And I I walked away from him. 25 bucks an hour is like 75 now. I mean, for Pete's sake, Uh, you know. But he just drove me nuts. So finally, I just, you know, made up a number. But uh, uh, but remember this: you're working for God. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. I'm not saying I never prayed for a raise. I asked, I asked the one that has all the control for a raise. Now, I didn't always get a raise I prayed for. But you know what? Um, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. We can fall into covetousness and saying, I gotta have this, I gotta have more, I gotta have more. Be content with your wages. Because you know what some of the greatest blessings I've ever gotten is when I got unexpected raises. The last raise I got was three bucks an hour. And you know what the biggest blessing of that was? Two weeks after I found out I was getting three dollars more an hour, my septic tank collapsed, so I had to replace it. I had the money because uh, God took care of me, God took care of me. God is the provider, we need to remember that. But you know what? Don't expect God to provide for you if you're not given to him, if you're not given to him. If I tithe and I give what I'm supposed to do and do those kind of things, then I can with confidence get on my knees and say, God, take care of me. I can't do that if I'm not giving, if I'm not obeying God. I can't do that because then I'm a hypocrite. And then God says, I can't hear you. Uh, You know, I'm serious. But you can with confidence give and give generously. You know, I'm talking to people. You know, I'll be be perfectly honest with you. I'm not preaching to you folks on giving. Do you realize since COVID started, our offerings have gone way up. Since we, since we started online giving, our offerings have gone way up. Um, it's kind of crazy. I, I was kind of thinking, you know, Pastor and I talked about this. Man, I don't think it's such a great idea. Great idea. We should have done this years ago. But, uh, uh, but, but I'm serious. You would be, I mean, they've gone way up. God's been good to us. That's why we can afford to do this kind of thing. Got, because God's gone up a lot. But um, but don't stop, all right? But but you know, all, and all kidding and all kidding aside, when we give, we can trust God. That's what, you know every if we're discontent with our wages, we're thinking God, you're not able to take care of me. God is able to take care of you. And the first place you should ask for a raise is on your knees, on your knees. You know my father, my father was. Uh, an old farmer, and um, uh, I guess he used to be a young farmer at one time, right? I guess that's a, a, poor, a poor choice of words. But he taught me something when I was a little kid. We, we you know, on the farm, we had cows, and then you'd, you'd kill a cow once in a while and put the cow in the freezer. And so I'm standing there next to him, and he's filling a box. I said, what are you doing? I'm trying to make the meat last longer. So what are you talking about? I'm going to take this over to the preacher's house. And I'm going to give it to him. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Um, he, taught me an important, he taught me a lesson on tithing back when I was five years old. And um, I'll never forget that. But that, there's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of truth in that. You know, don't demand things. Don't demand things. Don't be at work. They've got to give me. Do how many things I've been given at work because I offered to pay for them? Products, that kind of thing, stuff at my house. Uh, put your checkbook away, um, that kind of thing. Because I didn't come in. We have guys that come in and say, what are you going to give me? But <laughs> you go in and you offer to pay for it, then quite often they'll just say, Get out of my office. Uh, you know, um, but we've got to get out of this thing of covetousness. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five says, I have been young, and now I am old. Yet not have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Nor his seed begging bread. So the first thing we need to do to be happy at work is to remember who we're working for. Do all things heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Not unto men. The second thing is to be content. Be content with your wages. Be content in lots of areas. You know, in Hebrews thirteen five it says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee. Nor for safety. The third thing, the third thing, which kind of goes along with the second point, is don't be a griper or a complainer. Don't be a griper or a complainer. You know one thing I am not going to miss. I am going to miss some guys at work. I have some good friends. I've got guys I've worked with for years I mean, literally, years. I had a guy I worked with for 35 years come up and start crying. They <laughs> gave me a hug the other day. But I'm going to miss some people. I'm not going to miss the constant everyday griping and complaining. You know, my job was to load a truck and tell a guy where he's, why do I have to go here? You sent so and so over there. Why have I got to do that? And I'm thinking, what are you, five? (laughs) Are you a grown man? And I am not going to miss the griping and complaining. You know, when I was in college, the number one rule in the book, I don't know if it still is, it probably isn't, because everything else has kind of gone south, uh, literally. But the number one, well, number one thing in the book was griping is not tolerated. And I had a, a guy that lived next door that got shipped, sent home for griping. They, they shipped more kids home for that than anything else. Griping is not tolerated. You know, griping is a disease. Why do you think we got riots halfway across the country? There might be one or two people that are worked up about something. But hey, let's, you know. And you know, you could get the fever pitch going. And I've seen it at work. Yeah, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, what do you think, Joe? Yeah. Let's, you know. And uh, but griping, griping shouldn't be in our vocabulary. Have I ever griped? Of course I have. I'm a human being. But griping should not be part of our vocabulary. We shouldn't be the ones at work that are griping and complaining and all those different things. You know, be careful of social media. Social media is the big gripe place. And um, one of the problems we've had at work is, while guys are waiting to get their trucks loaded, they're all on Facebook with one another arguing, back back and forth. Um, You know, come on. Uh, but that is a problem, griping is a disease. That's how riots start. You know, uh, but you know what we need to do? We need to give our complaints to God. Give our complaints to God. Turn to, turn to Psalm 55. Psalm 55, if you're on the Bible reading schedule, you read this today. Psalm 55. If you read, your, if you read the book of Psalms, David did a lot of complaining, but you know who he complained to? He complained to God. Psalm 55, I've got to find it. And we're going to read the whole psalm, and it's the Bible. It's not going to kill you, OK? Uh, it's, but look, look how it starts out. It says, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me, and hear me. I mourn in my complaint, and make a noise, make a noise. And, but in other words, he's, he's complaining so much, he's making noise. <laughs> and because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pain within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest." Lo, then, when I wander off and remain in the wilderness. How many of you ever felt like doing that? There's days at work when I just wanted to, you know, our our ground borders Seoul Cemetery. There's days at work when I wanted to just walk out the back and come up into the thing and and call Linda and have her pick me up on the side row and just disappear. Uh, (laughs) There's days like that, okay? But I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, neither could I have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. See what he's doing? He's talking to God. He's not telling anybody else. He's griping to God. Um, We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning... And at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. You know what his solution was? To cry out to God evening and in morning, constantly in contact with God. There's been days at work when I've been praying all day long. God, this isn't going well. God, listen, I want to rip this guy's head off. Help me to calm down. This guy's being a jerk. I need to calm down and react like a Christian instead of just snapping his neck. You know, and I don't know if you've dealt with people like that, but the froward man can, be, can get on your nerves every once in a while. And, um, and David's telling God this. He said, God, let death seize upon him. Send him to hell. I mean, he's, he's venting. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. He hath put forth his hands against such as it be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. And then he comes to conclusion in verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Verse 23, he's putting it in God's hands. But thou, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in thee. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. He's venting the whole psalm. He's saying, God, listen, I want to send these guys to hell. God, listen, you need to destroy these guys. But then he says, cast your burden upon the Lord. You know, the Lord's the only one that could, you know, the Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord." You know, I've been around long enough to see that. Been around long enough. When I was a kid, I remember thinking, and I probably used this illustration before, but you know, we never worked on Sunday except milking the cows. You gotta do that. But we never put in hay on Sunday. We never did crops on Sunday. And it always seemed like it rained on our crops and, sunny, and Sunday was a sunny day. And I used to say as a little kid, God, that's not fair. That's just not fair. My father, you know, raises us right. We go to church, we we do all those things. We don't work on Sunday and then on Saturday, we're putting our hay in and it's pouring down rain. That's not right. But then 25, 30 years go by. The one farmer's 50 years old, dies of a heart attack. Around us, there's four farmers. The other guy's 55, he's walking down the street and he's got bone cancer so bad he collapses in a heap. Um, the, the third farmer, I don't know what happened to him, but they all died in their 50s. My father would be 87. And so God sees all, and I'm not saying just because somebody's against us and think God's gonna destroy him. You know, God's mercy lets wicked people live to be 100. Uh, I'm not saying that. But, but we need to put it in God's hands and let him take care of it. You know, the old song, all you weary, all you heavy-hearted, tell it to Jesus. And that's what has helped me and work. Tell it to Jesus. God, it, this guy over here is getting away with murder. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. You know, my father, my father was born in 1910. And when I was a kid, I didn't realize how much wisdom he had. You know, Mark Twain said that when, his, when he was 15, he thought his father was the dumbest man on the face of the earth. And he said, when I got to be 25, I couldn't believe how smart he got. That's because he finally figured out, hello, he's got wisdom. And, um, but my father used to tell me, you know, he says, you know, son, he says, someday, you know, you're going to leave the farm and, and uh, you're going to grow up and you're going to go to a job. And on the job, there's going to be the fair-haired boy. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, the fair-haired boy makes more money than you. The fair-haired boy does not, no work. And the fair-haired boy, the boss loves him. And, you know, for 40 years, I've seen plenty of fair-haired boys. But you can't, you can't let that destroy what you're supposed to be doing. You don't worry about them. You don't worry about them. Your responsibility is for you. And your responsibility is to do what God wants you to do. And back to being an ambassador for Christ. Back to being doing what you're supposed to do. Doing what you're supposed to do. Um, The next point is this. Go to uh, Proverbs 28. And like I said, I am not saying that I have lived these points 100%. Please don't think that. Um, please don't think that. Psalm 28, Proverbs 28, and verse 13. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Shall have mercy. Um, if you make a mistake at work, you goof something up, own up to it. Don't lie about it. Admit your mistakes. Admit your mistakes. Um, you know, my boss may not have been happy when I told him that I knocked out the window in the payloader. But once I told him, he might have been upset, but it was over. It was over. We've had guys that, that do something wrong and they try to hide it. And then the boss will find out about it two weeks later. Well, he's not real happy then. Uh, We had a driver, uh, one thing about my job is I know the area really well and I know that over on East Lake Road, Seneca Lake, there's a bridge that our trucks can't get under. So we had a guy that got lost and wasn't paying attention and hit the bridge. Hit the bridge, knocked off his hopper, knocked off, did a lot of damage to his truck. So he comes back and he tells the boss that he lost his brakes and he hit an ironwood tree. Now, there's no such thing as an ironwood tree. There may be such a thing as an ironwood tree. But he came, (laughs) but we sent a couple guys out and saw paint for the truck on this bridge. They fired him. If he'd have told the truth, the boss told them, if you'd have told me the truth, I wouldn't have fired you. But he lied about it and tried to cover it up. So that applies not only to work, but to Christian life. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've called him I've called my boss before and I said, you know, I messed up a load here, you know, we gotta do something. We've got to dump it in the garage or something. But once it's over, it's over. You know that's something for parents to remember, and I and I I probably blew this more than I ever should've. But if your child has enough nerve to come up to you and tell you that he did something wrong, then you ought to be a lot easier on him than if he was hiding it. Because then if he comes up and he tells you he did it, he's confessing his sins. And he should be almost rewarded for that. I don't mean you should pat him on the back for doing something stupid, I don't mean that. But you should be a lot easier on him than if he tried to hide it. Because he's headed in the right direction. Because he's he's confessing his sins. He realizes he's got to get it right. And he's going to his parent or at workplace, going to your authority and getting it right. And uh, should be rewarded for that. So we we need to own up to our mistakes. Own up to our mistakes. You know, God forgives us and rewards fellowship when we come to him, when we come to him. Another thing, another thing is be loyal. Be loyal. Be loyal to where you work. If you don't like it there, go somewhere else. But don't run the place down. Be loyal. I was always upset if I saw our competition pouring concrete down the street because I was loyal because that's my job. This guy's taking money from me. Be loyal to your, your boss. Be loyal to the company that you work for. My mother was so loyal that when I worked for Procter & Gamble in the summertime down in Pennsylvania, she would buy Charmin toilet paper, bounty paper towels. And she didn't have any kids in diapers as she would have bought Pampers. Because that's the factory I worked in. She bought tons of it. Because her sons worked there. So she was loyal to the company. Well, we need to be loyal. And you know what, we need to be loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're not loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know how we show our unloyalty? When we harbor sin, then we're not being loyal. When we don't stand up for him, we're not being loyal. We're not being loyal. and. Um, I don't know how many times, and I didn't always do it to my shame. There's many times, if somebody used the Lord's name in vain, I'd say, hey, do you know him? He died for you, you know? You know, and, and, uh, but we need to be loyal. We need to be loyal, we need to be loyal to our church, loyal to our pastor, loyal to the Bible. We need to be loyal. Um, That's one of my, that's one of my faults. Well, it's not a fault. But, I, but we should be very loyal and don't let other people run the boss down and those kind of things. You know, people at work have said to me in the past, boy, they live in a pretty nice house, don't they? And you know what I would say? You know what? I hope my boss is a millionaire. Why? Because if Friday comes, my check won't bounce. It won't. Because, and besides that, don't talk like a Marxist for Pete's sake. If there's not any reward for your labor, then why do it? Right. Why assume the risk? Uh, there's got to be reward for the labor. That's the free enterprise system, by the way. And I'm, not, I'm talking to the choir here. I mean, you people all believe that. But, but, you know, that's the truth. Be loyal. And when we're not loyal, what do we do? And we're, and we're griping and complaining, we say, you know what we say? We say, God isn't good enough. God isn't good enough to take care of me. He's not capable. So be loyal to God. Be loyal to God. And another thing, go to Romans chapter 12. You know, one thing I learned over the years, it took me longer to learn this than I should have learned it, than it should have taken. But do you realize in today's society how much baggage people are carrying around? Do you realize how many people I've worked with have been divorced two or three times? That at one time, me and another guy were the only two guys in the whole place that would never been divorced, besides the owners. The only two guys. And I talked to, one thing about my job is I had contact with every driver just about every day. And I was like, you know, I almost felt like the psychiatrist couch. You know, uh, I hear problems. And sometimes I'd shake my head. I'd say say to myself, you're 25 years old. How can you have time to mess up your life like that? And, um, you know, those kind of things, you know, I think I wouldn't say it out loud, but, uh, but we need to have compassion. Compassion. Romans 12 and verse 15 says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Weep with them that weep. You know, years ago, I never went to funeral homes when uh, somebody I knew died. But then my parents died, and uh, six months apart, and I realized. What a blessing it was, and they were saved. So we had a great time in the funeral home. We'd tell jokes, goof off, that kind of thing. And, uh, but I realized how nice it was to have old friends come in and, and uh, talk to them. So we had this guy at work that was, everybody couldn't stand the guy. He used to yell at me all the time. And um, so his mother died. So I went to the funeral home. Only guy at work went to the funeral home. Nobody liked him. From that day, I could have asked this guy to lick my shoes, and he would have done it. He said, you're the only guy that cares. The only guy that cares. God smote my heart. From that day to this, I'm in the funeral home, man. If somebody dies, I weep with them that weep. And I've had people come up and thank me profusely for showing up And Karen, and Karen, do I like to go to a funeral home when I know the guy's lost? No. (laughs) No. But there's something about compassion and wrapping your arms around a, a grown man and crying with him. Because not everybody will do that, for one thing. But I can remember standing in a funeral home just grabbing people. and them sobbing. You don't have to say much. You just got to be there. You just got to be there. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. And sometimes, and, and I'm not bragging on me, but sometimes get your wallet out and help people. You know, uh, there was a guy that whose son was dying of brain cancer. He used to work with us, and he did die of brain cancer. And he was going to Rochester every day driving. So I gave him money for gas. I'm not bragging on me. There's times I should have done it and I didn't. I'm not saying that. So you could say, wow, that was nice. Don't, please don't take it that way. But you know what? That had a profound effect on him. It really did. Because, so you know what? We've got to get out of this thing that it's all about us. It's not about us. And there's been so many times at work when it's been about me. I've been tired and, and those kind of things, and I haven't reacted well. I, you, know, I, I'm, you know, I have. And that's the problem. You know, I've been up at 5 in the morning and there at 6 at night, and I'm just a little grumpy. You know, my wife will tell you that when I'm tired, I'm the bear. You know, I'm not, I'm not I don't react well when I'm tired. But that's, but that's to my fault. But show people that you care. That Christians have a heart. There's so many problems in the world today. My word, it's not, it's not the American mom and dad and two little kid family anymore. It's not. There's so many lost people, that very few people that, you know, one parent homes and, and all kinds of things. And, and, and uh, my boss told me one time that I was the only guy that got a whole paycheck because all these other guys were getting child support taken out and, and all those different things. Yeah, they they messed up their life, but now what? Sometimes they need a friend. They need somebody to talk to. Uh, you know, going to hell is worse than paying child support. And and we need to remember that and and uh, and those kind of things and have and have compassion. Show people that Christians have a heart. It's so easy to get caught up with our busy life, with our home life, with our work life, and forget what we should be doing. Forget what it's all about. And I have forgotten that more times than I'd like to admit. Forgotten what, why are we here? Why are we here? Um, It's just like one time my boss's son asked me if we allowed visitors. (laughs) I said, well, that's why we are here. And uh, that's what's that's what, you know, this COVID business has got to get over so we can get some visitors in here so we can get some kids in here so we can act like a church again. I'm not saying we're not acting like a church now, but, you know, it drives me crazy when I think about, you know, there's people dying and going to hell and and and. You know, right now, we can't knock on a door because everybody's all freaked out about everything. You just couldn't do it. But, my word, um, we're the, we have the answer because God, God's word has the answer. But it's so easy to get caught up. Are we being known for being Christ-like? Have we forgotten the real goal? Do we put God in a bad light by our attitude? The people at work know they can depend on you to listen or to help and whatsoever ye do do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ let's remember that we serve the Lord Christ let's pray father thank you for your blessings God thank you for how your word speaks to me and how so many times, God, you just take me to the woodshed with it. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have a God that still cares about speaking to our hearts. I just pray, God, that you'd uh, help us to remember the things that we've learned tonight. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.